0: Today, banks are expected to be open and secure. That's why IBM has designed the first financial services ready public cloud that gives you the best of both worlds. So banking can be easier for banks. Visit ibm.com slash financial cloud to learn more. IBM, let's put smart to work. Today, banks are expected to be more open, but they're also expected to be more secure. How do you do both? IBM has designed the first financial services ready public cloud that gives you the best of both worlds. It's a platform that will help you handle regulatory compliance, protect data privacy, and speed up innovation. So banking can be easier for banks. Visit ibm.com slash financialcloud to learn more. IBM, let's put smart to work.
2: Hi everyone, this is Stan Wangland and welcome to Just Thinking, how the heck are you doing today? What's been going on this week in your life? Has it been as busy as mine has? I bet you it has been. I bet you there's been some good, some bad and in between in there, but I hope nothing too serious. And again, thank you for all of of you who participate in listening to the show and making sure these great ratings we're getting continue on just week after week. Uh, New people listening to the show all over. Just, just about ninety countries, I understand, and just uh, you know, all over the darn place. And, and I have to again say thank you, thank you, thank you. That's really important to me. So I hope you don't get tired of that. You know, it was uh, I was watching some sports over the weekend, and I was going to do a show on, uh, and I probably will. You know, our sports events going to be canceled due to the coronavirus. I don't want to talk about the coronavirus right now, but I'm giving you an example. And I was thinking about people with sports and of course sports is about winning and losing amongst other things. And when I look at what goes on, uh, you know, in politics or just things in general with people many times, uh, you know, in life, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, going for a job, somebody is going, uh, you know, competing against somebody else or whatever. You know, it could be the Academy Awards and film or or whatever. I notice, you know, nowadays it's really blatant, whether it's, you know, Kanye Kanye West jumping up years ago on the stage and say, This person shouldn't have won. Or somebody goes out and they compete and get, uh, you know, the lead, uh, you know, uh, act at uh, the Super Bowl halftime. And then people are putting them down and say, Well, I could have been up there or, you know, they didn't get the host of a show. Or, uh, you know, particularly in the primaries uh, in America, and I'm sure it's the same thing all across Europe and the rest of the world. Somebody loses and then, I didn't get the nomination because I was a woman. I didn't get the nomination because the establishment was against me. I didn't get the, you know, there's every kind of excuse that people can come up with in in terms of losing and winning. And I think it's very easy to be a... uh, even though that isn't even easy nowadays, but because people do some horrific things when they win things, they become incredibly insensitive and you know egocentric and narcissistic or whatever. But I find that people aren't being trained anymore how to be good losers, and they, people seem to think that if you lose in life that this is something totally abnormal. You're a bad person, you should be marginalized. Or they celebrate losing to such a point that if you win at something, uh, I guess the, the one singer, um, I forget her name, won the Grammys won 15 of them or something like that, and that she says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna be in so much trouble for people for winning. It's like, are you crazy? Or what, if people loved your work, that's great. Why, why should anybody be angry at you if they didn't get something? But people are And that's the point of t- today's show uh, And it can be for every person uh, You know, you don't have to be uh, in politics You don't have to be Elizabeth Warren Or Joe Biden Or Donald Trump He's a good loser, isn't he? <laughs> or, uh, you know Again, some of the people on the Democratic side When they lose uh, I have to, you know, Elizabeth Warren Very popular frontrunner I have to use her as an example And I'm sure I will alienate myself from some people, I I like Elizabeth Warren very much. I think she's a very smart person. I've said it before, for whatever reason, she doesn't have the it factor, uh, as I don't think Bernie does for the vast majority of people. And I'm a Bernie supporter. And I get that, old people don't like Bernie. (laughs) Other people, uh, you know, don't care. Black voters are not wild about Bernie, Bernie for whatever reason. It just is. And I, I think Bernie takes it pretty good, he, he, he does it in his own curmudgeoning way, he just moves on and he says he's going to create a revolution with whomever he has. Elizabeth Warren is pretty good, but other people, I mean, they go through these shenanigans. Uh, I understand how important women's rights are, and I understand that you know that we have all these male presidents and things like that, that it is going to be great and there will be women presidents, uh, and, and many of them and probably a succession of them will never see a guy in there again, and probably for good reason. But the simple fact of the matter is, as I said in the show today, when you're fired up and saying that there's a conspiracy against somebody or people are prejudiced, hey man, that person didn't get elected by women. I mean, and I shouldn't say elected. That person didn't, get, you know, rank in the primaries by the female vote in her own state. So that's not a conspiracy. That's reality. And that happens to people, and she just happened to be a woman. So uh, I think uh, it it it's one of those examples, uh, like the president. You know when you know I you know I I had a resounding victory. No, you didn't. You lost the popular vote, you schmuck. As did George Bush, but we do have an electoral system, and he won that, and that he can claim legitimately, but he can't say he has the popular vote, because he didn't get it. You know, so he's a poor loser. And you've seen that in sports sometimes, you know. Um, You've seen that uh, in business. People will make excuses. But here's the thing. For you and I, are you a poor loser? Have you bought into that craziness also? Because I'll tell you, I've done a lot of personal coaching. I've done coaching with salespeople Uh, you know, coaching with myself, coaching with little kids, coaching in martial arts, coaching in football and baseball and things like that as my kids were growing up and everything else like that. When I teach online, I'm a coach. I'm a coach in critical thinking. a coach in psychology as much as a teacher. I'm coaching people how to think critically, how to become scientists, how to become critical thinkers, how to use a process to understand the world. You know, people don't get that automatically. They, make, they keep making the same damn mistakes over and over and over and over and over. And they rationalize and make excuses and everything like all people do. They don't want to lose. And it's, yeah, but. And that's normal. Hopefully, as we grow up, we grow out of that. But I think we're a, na- a nation of poor losers. And I think uh, that never used to be the case, Uh, but this extreme aggressiveness, I think, that has taken over our country in in bipartisanship. And particularly, I think, in the late 80s and 90s with the Wall Street never sleeps thing and power ties and uh, this worship of money to a different degree. uh, I think the winning at all costs uh, mentality has, uh, uh, I, I think it has taken over for a big segment of our world. Therefore, when we go to lose, people, you know, are tattooed up. They're fired up. They're, uh, you know, they're all ripped and buffed and shaved their heads bald and every other crazy thing. And, uh, you know, they come up and I'm not losing it. You know, they, they do all these kinds of things or they get insane about losing. And I don't think it's a good thing. And I don't think it's a normal thing. Y- you know, I-, I love to find quotations from people about losing and losing gracefully. Where when you lose something, you learn something. Because in every crisis, in every loss, there's an opportunity. You learn. It's a learning experience. And that that is not some kind of rationalization. It really is. I used to tell people, you know, kids who would get so frustrated, they were interfering with their own hitting and batting and kicking and punching and throwing a ball or doing a martial arts move because they thought they had to win everything. And I would say, do you realize... If you hit 300 in baseball, if you're a baseball player, you hit 300, you're going to make millions and millions of dollars when you're out of 1,000 balls you know, or 1,000 at-bats when you're up there, 700 of them you've hit out or struck out or been out. Almost three times the amount of what you were hit, that you hit. So you're getting paid to only this massive amount of money to just succeed 30% of the time. of the time, you're a failure. And they'll say, yeah. I said, yeah. So what are you, a winner or a loser? No, you 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 have to take a look at that. Don't be a poor loser. You know, Satchel Paige, the great, great pitcher from the um, old, and it was called, forgive me for using that term, the old Negro League. That's what it was called. The Negro League, terrible, you know, and he wound up playing some professional baseball, but probably one of the greatest pitchers. Some people think he is the greatest pitcher in baseball. And he had a wonderful thing. He pitched very, very old age. And he said, never let your head hang down. Never give up and sit down and grieve. Find another way. Man, that's what I call coping. And that's what people of that era did. Here's a black guy. He went all over America, all the prejudice, all the bullshit, kept out of the big leagues when he was a superstar, man.
0: Today, banks are expected to be open and secure. That's why IBM has designed the first financial services-ready public cloud that gives you the best of both worlds. So banking can be easier for banks. Visit ibm.com slash financial cloud to learn more. IBM, let's put smart to work. Today, banks are expected to be more open, but they're also expected to be more secure. How do you do both? IBM has designed the first financial services-ready public cloud that gives you the best of both worlds. It's a platform that will help you handle regulatory compliance, protect data privacy and speed up innovation so banking can be easier for banks visit ibm.com slash financial cloud to learn more IBM let's put smart to work
2: kept out kept out on purpose because he was too good did he go around saying I'm a you know I'm a bad sport was he a poor loser no friggin' way man he played in the leagues that he could play in he he, he did whatever he could do. And when he got his opportunity, he took it. And he never let his head hang down. He never gave up. He never sat down. He never grieved about it. He did find another way. And what a wonderful guy he was. You know, Robert Schuller. inspirational guy, religious guy. You know, you've seen him on TV, The Hour for Power years ago, written a million books. Very motivational type of a guy. He also said, tough times never last, but tough people do. That's true. When you're losing, hey, tough times don't last forever. It's all about the bell-shaped curve. You know, that statistics, you have your ups and downs, your wins, your losses. Smart people know they wait it out. Life isn't always going to be bad, and just like it's never going to be good. You got to wait those things out. That's what, you know, the, the losing toughens you up to take the big things in life. It prepares you. In every crisis, there is that opportunity. Is that the way you're acting when you lose? Or are you a constant belly acher? Because it makes your life miserable. And it makes those people around you miserable. And it's, you know, it's an unrealistic kind of a thing to do. And it's pervasive. And when people, when your kids watch you, when your wife watches you, when your neighbors watch you, when your students watch you, when your coworkers do that or people that are subordinate to you in a work situation, they mimic you. They respond to it. You know, Mia Farrow, the actress, has a quote. Uh, I think there's some wisdom in this. And she says, I get it now. I didn't get it then. That life is about losing and about doing it as gracefully as possible and enjoying everything in between. Think about that. That's a little on the heavy side. Yeah, because as you're going on, you're you, if you're a little kid, you're losing your innocence. As you're getting older, you're losing some of your strength and stamina. Uh, you know, when you have kids and get married and, and get into the world of work with bills and everything else, you wind up losing your fucking mind. <laughs> you're always losing something. But in between, you're gaining all kinds of other things and then you lose them. It's like playing cards. It's like being a Cincinnati kid. You know. You're winning some and you're losing some. It's an exciting thing. It's, it's called life. It can't all be winning. There's lots of loss in between there. But. But, my favorite, my favorite favorite, words of wisdom. I love this guy. He's he's a hardball uh, guy. Thomas Edison, the greatest American inventor, I, I think the greatest inventor the world has ever known, if I'm not mistaken, and. Edison had so many good sayings because he really thought about these things when he worked. You know, he was a self-trained guy in all these kinds of things. He didn't go to any school formally, uh, as, as I recall, for any of this stuff. He just taught himself this shit and, uh, you know, work with other people. He was an inventor. He invented stuff. He knew how to do all these things. He, uh, you know, he researched things on his own. This was the, the, the time when you could do this. And one of the things he said, he says that, yeah, they said, you know, you're a genius, Mr. Edison, where do you get all these miraculous ideas? These work, you know, these ideas of genius. And he said, you know, how are you inspired? And he said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And you know, that's true. That's true. And the other thing that he said, and it's a way of looking at the world so that you don't become a poor loser when you do lose and when he did lose or he did not meet his goals, Thomas Edison would say, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> and, you know, that is true, baby. That is so true. You know, I I find out I'm a very relaxed golfer. And uh, I can have some great holes on, uh, on the day, no matter where I play. And I can also play like I've never played the game before. I mean, literally, that it just goes to, it goes right into the shitter on that. But one of the things that I'll tell myself all the time, it's like when I play the guitar or I do something else, I'm, I'm trying really hard songs or really hard riffs, I've been playing since I'm 13 years old, I'm gonna be 70 now, it's a long freaking time. And sometimes people say, wow, that's great, you played something, I'm really great there. Yeah, I've only played it wrong 150,000 times, And now I've got that riff right, you know, but getting back to the golf thing, I used to worry so much about, I usually do things well when I do them. Uh, I'm not a poor loser, but it would bother me, you know, with golf. Why can't I, you know, I have it one day, why don't I have it the next? Well, I also have a back problem that affects me. I also don't get a chance to go out there and practice endlessly or really have the motivation to do that. And when I really studied the game, I saw that if you're going to play the game well, well, yeah, you got to go to the driving range and you have to really hit buckets of balls. It would be nice to have a, a proper grip and go to a golf instructor a few times and do the right thing, but not for me. I like to pick up shit and teach myself. So it's kind of haphazard. So I'm going to get those haphazard scores. Now, when I go with somebody else now for the first time or a poor golfer and I see them getting so upset, I'll remind them that the only reason a professional can do What we're doing just, when you really look at it, on some of the holes, just a little bit better, but much more consistently. The reason they do that is they're hitting 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, sometimes 10,000 balls in a day. Always at least 1,000 or 2,000. Can you imagine? Why wouldn't they be able to hit that friggin' thing in their sleep? Now, a guy like you or I, or a woman, you know, like yourself, if you play that kind of a game, you go out on a weekend four or five times in the summer or maybe you go out, you know, a couple times a week, you don't get a chance to warm up. You haven't had a chance to practice your work and you're jumping on the course. You got people behind you, for Christ's sakes, looking at you, whatever it is. You know, you just got up there. You're as cold as, uh, as ice and you're swinging. And the fact that you parred maybe six or seven holes out of 18 or bogeyed another four or five or... Do- That's phenomenal. You don't need to be a poor loser. You don't need to take your golf clubs and throw them in the the pond. Go enjoy the game. Go enjoy the sunshine. As a matter of fact, when I get stuck in the rough and it's too difficult and I can't get it, I've said it to other people. who say, what am I going to do? I said, here, can I show you something? And they'll say, what? And I'll take the tip of my shoe and I'll knock it out in the middle of the fairway and say, go ahead. What do you mean, What do you mean? Do you think your score is going on the 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 PGA tour here? Now we're not playing for money. If we're playing for money, then kick it out anyway. You suck. Who cares? Are you having a good time? We're gonna go in and you know after the next hole, have a couple of beers, have a good time, we're out in the sun, we're laughing our ass off. You're not a loser, you're a winner. You haven't failed. You just ha- you've just found, as Thomas Edison would say, 10,000 ways that won't work to hit that golf ball. But at, at 10,001, you're going to find the right one. So there's the lesson from this show. Whether your candidate doesn't come in, whether you didn't get that job, uh, or whether you failed in your marriage or something went wrong, hey, shit happens. Don't be a poor loser. Oh up, take responsibility and say, I'll do better next time, hopefully. Maybe I won't. But I'm going to try to do my best. You know, life will be a lot better for you and everybody around you. And it will also be a lot more realistic. And it will be a lot less stress for you. Is that turning you into a loser? Is that telling you? No, I think it makes you a winner. It makes you a winner in terms of the reality award, it makes you a winner in terms of being a decent, honest person. And when you're a good loser and you're an honest loser, you also can let other people take the legitimate credit they have for maybe doing a better job than you on something. And maybe you have to get your ass out there and work a little harder. Maybe you've got to be a little faster, a little smarter. Maybe you have to do a little bit more research. Maybe you have to dress better for the position, be more articulate, develop some new skills. Maybe all of those things happen. And if the cards are stacked against you, I've been in many of those things where the cards have been stacked against me. And I've come out on top many times on the bottom. Hey, you have to learn how to fight those battles too, don't you? Everybody can't be equal or less than you. Some people are quite frankly better. I could tell you a quick story of a, I'll just give you the ending of it of a taekwondo match that I had. I used to spar and I sparred against a guy who just won actually the gold medal in New York State. And uh, he came and he wanted to spar me. And uh, we had a different sparring style. Mine was much more aggressive. And, you know, I didn't go spar in tournaments like that or anything, but would spar with lots of other people and uh, who were very accomplished. And I had a very intensive training program with very experienced people. And uh, within about two seconds, I, I KO'd this guy, and uh, he came and he was a very gracious loser. And he said, "I didn't realize how good you were, and I happened to have the flu that day." And I actu- actually, my actual words, because I really didn't like this guy, and he had provoked me into that match when I wasn't feeling well, and uh, and I just wanted to get it over, and I, I I knew I would take him out, and I did in a matter of minutes. And I told him the truth. I said, "It, it really, I, I'm not that good. It's just that you're that bad. And it became the basis of our friendship. Based on, I was not trying to be insulting. I was trying to be honest. I was trying to be a good winner. And acknowledge the truth. And when somebody is that poor, you don't have to be that, that, that frank with somebody. Although this worked in our particular case. It's good to acknowledge when somebody is better than you. That's good. Then you have something to aspire to. Then you have engaged in competition. So you don't need all those excuses. And you don't need the ugliness that comes with being a poor loser. So that's my feeling. When you see people who are poor losers, I find that people who are poor losers are usually uh, not the kind of people I want to be around when they're winners. Because winning and losing is too important to them. It's not the the other fundamental issues that are connected with it, the really important things. So that's what I'm thinking. I hope you agree with me, and I hope you like the show. If you did, rate and review the show. Hit the subscribe button and send me your comments to Stan Wanglin. That's S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. Bye-bye now.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Thinking with Stan Wangland. Please feel free to follow and subscribe on whichever podcasting service you use for your podcasting needs and give us a rating and review for Just Thinking with Stan Wangland. And also you can check Stan out on Twitter. It's at S Wangland. That's at S Wangland. W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D on Twitter. And you can also follow all the great shows on the Reality Check Podcast Network on our Instagram page, Reality Check Podcast Network, or on our Twitter, at Our Podcast Network on Twitter. And if you are interested in advertising or sponsoring your products, your services on this show, all you have to do is hit me up at www.podcast.com at gmail.com and find out about the great rates to advertise on shows like Just Thinking with Stan Wanglin and the many, many more great shows on the Reality Check Podcast Network.
2: At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with Talking Fast. Pop stars with Auto-Tune. And dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands in your mouth. What? Great. Yes,
1: we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal.
0: Soy latte for Opal? At
1: Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.
0: Today, banks are expected to be more open, but they're also expected to be more secure. How do you do both? IBM has designed the first financial services ready public cloud that gives you the best of both worlds. It's a platform that will help you handle regulatory compliance, protect data privacy, and speed up innovation. So banking can be easier for banks. Visit ibm.com slash financial cloud to learn more. IBM, let's put smart to work.
1: what's going on you have john wanglin one of the hosts of wrestling with reality check out our shows this week on wrestling with reality we have some great shows we have our mma show we look at is khabib namaga madoff versus george st pierre reality why john jones is such a disgrace to the ufc we also have on wcw monday nitro watch along and we take a look back at triple h in his 25 year career in the wwe so check out wrestling with reality on all major podcast outlets